Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. This is Fundamentally Mormon, episode 499. Uh, Today we're going to be going over Revelation of June or July 1882, which is being read out of Revelations from uh, 1880 to 1890, part 2. We'll be on pages 7 to 10. Uh, There is a link in the description uh, that will take you to the uh, to read the full book online, uh, to read Ogden's other books, uh, free online, and just to read the text to what we're reading today. Uh, we'll start with the uh, reader program, listening to this revelation, which is only six minutes and fifty nine seconds long. And then I actually didn't go to work last night because I had to drive my wife to the doctor's yesterday because she is sick. And it turns out that she has COVID. The Wu flu, the commie virus. (laughs) Anyway, um, so uh, we ended up having, I got tested, I'm not. I'm negative. I already had it. I believe I've already had it. So um, I got the antibody testing and we're waiting for the lab to come back with that. And then uh, we had to go up and get a transfusion last night. Uh, But I, I, I told my wife before we got to the hospital in Price, you make a decision on what you want to do. And you tell Heavenly Father. And if the Spirit withdraws from you, you don't do it. And if the Spirit doesn't leave you, and she has a Spirit all the time, then it's okay. Because I was trying to explain to my mother-in-law last night, because she is like this full-blown TBM Mormon. You know, and the prophet says that we should all get the virus, or the, the vaccine... The problem with that is 
different people's biologies react different to the different medications, the different vaccinations, the different treatments. And some of these people that are listening to the prophet just not even going to get their own revelation, they're dying or they're losing their motor functions or there's some adverse reaction because everybody's biology is different and everybody reacts differently to each, you know, to each of the different treatments. And, and without going into any conspiracy theories or anything else, just that much, the leaders of the LDS church should be telling you to pray about it. They should be teaching you exactly what I'm teaching you. If you go to God after you have researched it out to the best of your ability and you feel confident that you should make the decision to receive a vaccination or a treatment or any medication, I don't care what it's for, then you go to God and you ask God, you, you tell him what you're going to do, okay? And then you ask God if there, if, if, if I shouldn't do it, please withdraw your spirit from me and he will do that. And after that happens, you pray again and you, you tell them, okay, I, I realize that your spirit's withdrawn from me and I am going to not do what I was going to do. You know, if you feel like you shouldn't get the vaccination or you shouldn't get a treatment or something like that, you go to God and you tell him that that's what you've decided you're going to do. And you ask if the spirit, uh, like ask if it is right that the spirit increases and that if it is wrong, whatever your decision is, that the spirit withdraw from you. And then you just go do it unless the spirit withdraws from you. That's that, that is a tool that we can use for any kind of treatment, any kind of drug, any situation. I make my decisions as a free agent and I tell God what I'm going to do. And if the spirit withdraws from me, I repent. And and then I tell him I'm not going to do that. That's how I operate. And in that way, I can receive, uh, you know, powerful. Well, I think they're powerful. Some people might not think they're powerful, but I think they're powerful. Because uh, we can be directed by God in all things, but we don't have to be slothful servants waiting around till God tells us to do something or not to do something, you know. So anyway, so it turns out, like I said, um, I don't have COVID. Uh, I'm pretty sure I already had it, um, but my wife has it now. So uh, she says that she's feeling better. I actually slept on the couch. She has to be quarantined for 10 days. So she gets her bedroom, and I get the couch in, in the uh, the living room, or the couch in the office is my. Uh, that's where I get to sleep now. <laughs> so, uh, luckily in the office, uh, we've got blinds that are, you know, it, it gets dark in there, so I can sleep in there in the daytime. But I didn't go to work last night. So anyway, um, it is almost six o'clock in the morning. And since I slept on the couch, uh, all of my kids are quarantined as well 
for seven days, they said. And uh, I was actually sick two weeks ago. And it's been going around the family, so I think we've all gotten it. But my three youngest are laying on the carpet in front of the chair in the living room where I'm actually recording. So hopefully they don't make too much noise. But let's get into this reading of Revelation of June or July 1882, and then we'll go in the commentary. And then I might have to interrupt a little bit during the reading because the the reader program does its thing, but um, here we go. Revelation of June or July 1882 of Revelations 1880 to 1890 Part 2, pages 7 to 10 given through John Taylor, Revelation given through John Taylor in late June or very early in July of 1882. Rulers of Kingdom and Church Identified kingdom established to protect the church. Any kingdom or government that fights against the Lord shall be overthrown. 1. Am I not king of kings and lord of lords? 2. Do I not rule in the heavens above and in the earth beneath, as I will, saith the Lord? 3. And though men do not acknowledge me yet do I control them? And I will control them according to my will and purposes, and I will make use of the kings of the earth, and the rulers and powers of the earth to accomplish my purposes, saith the Lord God your Redeemer, and none shall stay my hand. 4. And I will build up my kingdom as I have heretofore decreed and made known through the mouth of mine holy prophets, so far as they have declared my purposes pertaining thereto. 5. And I have many other things to make known and to proclaim relative to my church and to my kingdom, and to the building up of my Zion on the earth. 6. Behold, you are my kingdom and rulers in my kingdom and then you are also, many of you, rulers in my church according to your ordinations therein. 4. Are you not of the first presidency, and of the twelve apostles, and some presidents of stakes, and some bishops? and some high priests and some seventies and elders therein? 7. And are you not all of my church and belong to my holy priesthood? 8. And then, are you not all of my kingdom, and do you not belong to my kingdom, and are you not the representatives thereof, even my constitution? 9. And am I not your God, even your Redeemer and your King? 10. Behold, I have told you to do as I command you, and have I not a right to dictate in the affairs of my kingdom, and is it not incumbent upon you to obey me as your Lord, your lawgiver and your king? 11. Behold, thus saith the Lord, I will be obeyed by my counsel, and if they do not acknowledge me, I will not acknowledge them, saith the Lord of hosts, the God and King of the whole earth. 12. Speaking of my church, behold I established my church that I might reveal unto them my word, and my will and the law of the gospel, and the order of the holy priesthood, and I set in order my priesthood, even the Aaronic and Melchizedek, and I have sent forth mine elders to the world to preach this gospel of the kingdom to all people, 
and to get the mine elect from among all nations, that a people might be prepared through my gospel, through the manifestation of my spirit, even the spirit of truth, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, and through the teachings of my holy priesthood and the revelations of my will, to comprehend the law of my gospel, to be one with each other, and to be one with me as I am one with the Father, to comprehend and obey the principles of righteousness, virtue, holiness, purity, and the love and fear of God, and to assist in building my Zion unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and to prepare for the salvation and redemption of the world, even the living and the dead. 13. And, again, it required this gospel, this priesthood, this revelation, this unity, this spirit, to introduce the kingdom of God, the law of God, the authority and dominion of God, that the will of God might be done on earth as it is done in heaven. 14. Are all now among the nations but not by their consent, and the rulers of the earth do not know me or my law, nor recognize my authority. 15. They have their free agency and use it. So have also my people, and they use their agency through my gospel to serve me, to obey my law and to build up my church and kingdom. 16. For outside of my church there is no people on the earth who will listen to my law, and if there was no people who would listen to my law, how could I have a kingdom, and how could I be their ruler? 17. I have established my kingdom to be a shield and protection to my church, to learn and comprehend my law, and to carry out my purposes, that my will may be done on earth as it is done in heaven. 18. The church through the law and spirit of the gospel to preserve the virtue and purity of the kingdom, and the kingdom to preserve and protect the church from the aggressions of the wicked and ungodly. 19. And behold, I do not want my own will, but the will of my Father. The same is my Father and my God, and your Father and your God, and we are one, I in him, and you in me. 20. Are I and my Father with the church? Yes. 21. Are we not also with the kingdom? Yes. 22. Am I not your God, you are man Christ? Acknowledge me. You so acknowledge me. 23. My Father is King of kings and Lord of lords. I rule as my Father directs me, and if you rule and direct according to my will, under the direction of my servant who is your president and head, are we not one, and is it not the rule and government of God? 24. And any kingdom, or government, or dominion that is not under my direction, and does not acknowledge me I will not acknowledge, saith the Lord of hosts. 25. And if they fight against me and my laws, and my church, and my kingdom, they shall be overthrown in mine own due time, for I have so decreed. Even so, amen. Okay, so that is the reading for the program for today, and uh, I will read it with my own commentary at this point. Revelation of June 
or July 1882 of Revelations 1880-1890 Part 2, pages 7 through 10. Given through John Taylor. Revelation given through John Taylor in late June or very early July of 1882. Rulers of kingdom and church identified. Kingdom established to protect the church. Because the kingdom is not the church. The kingdom is supposed to protect the church. In the 1890s, they did away with the Council of Fifty, which was the kingdom of God, which is not the church. I don't care what they tell you today. That's not the way it was. Um, Everybody knew that the kingdom and the church were different. But now, since they did away with the kingdom, now they're trying to say and teach you that the kingdom is the church. No, it's not. Uh, There's two political portions of God uh, in the millennium. There's two political governments. One is the theological kingdom, which is ruled over by Jesus Christ or Yeshua HaMashiach. And there, that is that is the New Jerusalem. And then there is Zion, which is the kingdom of God and the military and government of God. And that is ruled over by Messiah ben Joseph, who is placed over that authority. And it is overseen by the father, who is Adam. So anyway, um, let's see here. Kingdom established to protect the church. Any kingdom or government that fights against the Lord shall be overthrown. Verse 1. Am I not king of kings and lord of lords? So this is a title that Jesus Christ holds. It is also held by other individuals like the Father, who is also a king of kings and a lord of lords. And our Elohim And the councils of the Elohim and God the Eternal Father are all King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um, We have different kingships. We have different rules, uh, stewardships, and authorities, depending on where we are in the universe. Jehovah, who is the father of Adam, and Adam, who is the father of Yeshua, they have different stewardships. Adam is over the whole earth, and because we, uh, as the children of Jesus Christ, he becomes our father, and uh, through the law of adoption, we become his children, and he becomes a king over us. So, and then God the eternal father, Adam, amen, is a king and king of lorded lords over the whole universe, and within the universe, there are different solar systems and each one of them have an Elohim that is over that solar system, and they are king of king and lord of lords for those solar systems. There are different saviors in the universe. There are different witnesses in the universe. There is a plan that is followed. And for this earth, uh, in the beginning, Bereshit, the first word in the Bible, it actually doesn't mean to create out of nothing. The true translation, and you talk to the Jews about this, of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is in a beginning, not in the beginning. Because there is a beginning to every planet, and a beginning to every solar system, and a beginning to every galaxy. In a beginning, the beginning of this earth, God organized matter 
and created everything that you see. All the elements. He placed them in this place and put everything in exact orbit so that this this planet could be inhabitable. But according to the vision that I was shown in 2000 and, and I think it was 2004 or 2005, maybe it was before that, I don't remember. Anyway, but I was shown that all of the elements are eternal. All of energy is eternal. And the intelligence, which are which is energy, is eternal. And that's what we come from. That Our spirits came from the intelligence and it is eternal. And that God the Eternal Father was the first, and God the Eternal Mother actually, were the first of the intelligence to become self-aware. And in the process of time, they learned how to help others of the intelligence become self-aware. And whenever an intelligence becomes self-aware, the feminine and the masculine energies split, and you have a male and a female spirit. It is a 50-50 split. And in the process of time, they learn how to become the spirits of men or the spirits of animals. Yes, animals do have spirits. <laughs> um, you know, the spirits of women, uh, and they inhabit bodies for their progression, for uh, their growth, so that they can eventually become exalted and receive an exaltation in resurrection. So this process has gone on for eons of time, but God the Eternal Father and God the Eternal Mother, Adam Amen and Hava Amen, were the first, and Christ Amen was the first Messiah. And our Messiah, Yeshua, has taken the title of Amen Christ. Anyway, um, verse 2. Do I not rule in the heavens above and in the earth beneath, as I will, saith the Lord? Verse 3. And though men do not acknowledge me, yet I do control them. And I will control them according to my will and purpose, and I will make use of the kings of the earth and the rulers and the powers of the earth to accomplish my purposes, saith the Lord your God, your Redeemer, and none shall stay my hand. So he doesn't outright control us, but he like places us in situations where we make choices and he can direct us. So when I stood in front of the Savior, Back in 2003, he said all the things that I went through when I was younger that are hard for me to deal with, they were they were allowed to happen to me for his wise purpose because he needed to get me to a place where I would be obedient and follow him no matter what anybody else said. No matter how much I love the church or my grandparents I was going to follow God, and he placed me in the situations that he needed me to be in so that I would get to that point. But he didn't He didn't command me, and I had my free agency to do whatever I wanted. But I also had his forgiveness when I came to seek it. So, verse 4, And I will build my kingdom up, and I will build up my kingdom 
as I have heretofore decreed and made known through the mouth of mine holy prophets, so far as they have declared my purposes pertaining thereto. Verse 5, And I have many other things to make known and to proclaim relative to my church and to my kingdom, because you've got the New Jerusalem, which is the theological portion of the kingdom of God, and you've got Zion, which is the military and government portion of the kingdom of God. They're separate. The church, well, the kingdom protects the church. The church does not protect the kingdom. And to the building up of my Zion upon the earth. Verse 6, Behold, you are my kingdom, and the rulers in my kingdom, and then you are also, many of you, because you don't have to be in the kingdom to be part of the church. You don't have to be part of the church to be in the kingdom. The kingdom protects all. We still have free agency to worship as we as we please. And different styles of worship um, are okay. God is actually more liberal than you might imagine. But more strict in certain areas, but more liberal as far as how you worship him. Uh, and there are parameters as, as well, but... Anyway, so let me read this again. Verse 6, Behold, you are my kingdom and my rulers, and rulers in my kingdom, and then you are also many of you rulers in my church, according to your ordinances therein. For are you not the first presidency, and the twelve apostles, and some presidents of stakes, and some bishops, and some high priests, and some seventies, and elders therein? Verse 7, and are not, and ye are not all of you my church and belong to my holy priesthood. Verse eight. Now I I gotta say something about this. Okay, so this is the eighteen. This is one of the eighteen eighty two revelations. In January of eighteen forty one, Jesus actually said, you know, build a temple whereby the Most High, the Father, can come to other end. Because in Third Nephi, it talks about the work of the Father that has to commence at some point. This is the work of the Son that gets us to the point where the Father can begin to do His work upon the earth. The church is the church of the Son. The church of the firstborn is the church of the Father. When the church of the Son is disobedient and does not follow the instructions that they're supposed to build a temple in Nauvoo, and finish it where the Father himself can come to restore the fullness of the priesthood, which had not yet been restored to the earth uh, in the restoration, and the commencement of the work of the Father can begin. If they don't do what they're supposed to do, the Father has to reject them, and they don't receive the fullness of the priesthood, which is what happened. And so the, the church was the church of the Son was rejected by the Father because of the disobedience of the church. But Jesus strives with his church, and he calls them to repentance, and he continued to try to call them to repentance in the 1880s and the 1890s, and then when they gave up so much of their birthright in the 1890s, he stopped. That's why you don't get revelations anymore like this. That's why the church hides these revelations they don't want you to know about. 
That's why when Jesus Christ appeared to Lorenzo Snow in the Salt Lake Temple after the death of Wilfred Woodruff, Jesus Christ told him he would not go back in the Holy of Holies because the church rejected him. Because of the disobedience of the church, the Father rejected the church from receiving the fullness of the priesthood. And the church as a whole has rejected Jesus Christ. That's why these great manifestations that you see in church history don't happen anymore. And that's why God had to send a prophet to call you back to repentance, which is what is happening right now. I have been sent by the Father himself and set apart and ordained for this very purpose. By the laying on of his His own hands to try to call the church of the Son to repentance so that we can commence the work of the Father, which has not happened in the church. This is the work of the Father. And I am the witness. There are many who are witnesses. Well, let me tell you how this works. Okay, so every earth has a first presidency. And every earth has one who is over the first president, an Elohim. And it's kind of like with the church. You've got your first presidency, you've got your president and your two counselors. And above the president is Jesus Christ. He's above the church. Well, above the first presidency of this earth, you have an Elohim. That is Jehovah, your Elohim. And the first president of this earth is God, the, is known as God the Creator. He is Father Adam, who was Michael. He is the one who holds the keys for this whole earth. We are all adopted to him through the law of adoption, and we are his spirit children, and we are physically his children, everyone on the earth. And then you have his first counselor or witness, who is God the Redeemer, that is Yeshua who you know is Jesus Christ. He is the first witness of the Father. He is Mashiach ben Judah, or Messiah ben Judah, from the house of David. And then you have the second counselor, God the witness. God the witness comes, and he is Mashiach ben Yosef ben Ephraim. Uh, I think I get that wrong. Mashiach ben... It's actually Mashiach ben Ephraim ben Yosef, Messiah ben Joseph. He is God the witness, and he is a general over the, the, the ministering spirits who act under his authority, and he acts under the authority of our Father and the Elohim on the earth. And each of these ministering spirits are witnesses. They are set-apart spirits who act in, in, in everybody's individual lives. They are holy spirits, but they are not God the witness. There is only one God the witness for each earth. That's how the Holy Spirit is everywhere all at once, but actually resides in one place at a time. Verse 7, And are ye not all of my church and belong to my holy priesthood. So we're on page eight on or in this part 
the second part or the second pamphlet, I guess, of Revelations 1880 to 1890, and we're on verse 8. And then again, are ye not all of my kingdom? And do ye not belong to my kingdom? And are ye not the representatives thereof, even my constitution? So the constitution of the kingdom of God is, I can't remember exactly what it is, because Joseph Smith doesn't, he, he says, uh, when he announces the constitution, he doesn't actually tell you what the constitution is or uh, tell you who is a member of that kingdom. But he did write it down, and I have read that constitution, and it's very short. It's basically run by revelation. But the premise of the Constitution of the United States, that was inspired by God, and it will be the Constitution of the Earth during the millennium. So uh, there's different constitutions. Like, we have federal uh, constitution, the federal constitution, and that um, oversees the whole country, but within each state we have state constitutions. That's kind of how it will be uh, during the millennium. There will be a world constitution and there will be constitutions within constitutions so anyway verse 9 and am i not your god or your elohim even your redeemer and your king and this is jesus christ speaking to the church to actually john taylor who was the president of the church at the time verse 10 behold i have told you to do as i command you because he's given us all of the instructions that we need in the Doctrine and Covenants, or at least he did before he started screwing around with things, to get to the point where we could have the the Church of the Father, come, the Church of the Firstborn, come down on the earth and Zion be redeemed. In order for that to happen, there has to be a people, according to Genesis chapter 21 of the Inspired Translation, which says, when a people live all that I have commanded them, then they shall look up. It basically says they'll redeem Zion below, and they shall look up, and Zion will come down out of, out of heaven with the church of the firstborn. That has to happen for Adam and Andayama to happen, and that has to happen before Jesus Christ returns. And we talked the other day about how Jesus doesn't come secretly among his people, like he does individually, but not not as like large groups before his coming. That's in the Doctrine and Covenants. It says, because uh, there was this group of people that was trying to say that Jesus had come secretly and the second coming already happened and we're in the millennium <laughs> At this church, the Seventh-day Adventists, they actually continue to exist on the earth. And I don't even understand the delusion of these people. Like, I like the fact that they that they honor the, the true Seventh-day Sabbath, which is Friday night to Saturday night. But um, my favorite group among the Seventh-day Adventists, because there are different divisions, is the... Um, the Branch Davidians. Now, I know the whole thing that happened in Waco, and that was ridiculous. That was the government killing people for firearms violations. And you can actually see the videos of 
these tank battering rams going in with flamethrowers on the end of the battering rams and setting the branch divinian compound on fire because the guy who was running it was that he actually fit the description of the davidic servant and of course the kingdom of satan babylon the great is not going to you know he wants to destroy the Davidic servant. He wants to destroy the kingdom of God. He wants to destroy the prophets. That's why I don't let people know where I live. That's why uh, I don't have any bills in my name. And that's why my wife doesn't have my last name. That's why we keep these things secret. But fortunately, I can get out on the airwaves until they shut this one down as well. Like, um, they shut down my straight talk account for doing this, this program. Um, let's see, it was my straight talk account. And then I got an AT&T phone and they, uh, they banned me from AT&T. And now I have this phone and, uh, hopefully I can fly under their radars. You know, but the the time will come when they might even ban this this phone and this way for me to, of course, you know what? It's funny. I stopped doing the live radio programs, so I'm not using my cell phone to do these anymore. I'm using my internet connection, so hopefully they won't ban me uh, like they banned me before on on uh, Straight Talk and. Um, what was it? Straight talk. It was, I can't remember. No, it was straight talk, but then I got an AT&T phone and then, uh, like right on the packaging of the phone, it said conference, uh, you can conference call, um, uh, up to five lines and whatever anyway. And like my phone wasn't working one day. So I like called customer service and they said that my account had been suspended, even though it was paid in full. Uh, because I'm not allowed to do this program using their phone. And I I contacted Jay Seculo, who was a constitutional lawyer, and he said that they can do that. Even though the Constitution should prohibit them, he said that the Constitution only prohibits the government from taking your rights, not private corporations. Which I thought the Constitution was to be applied to the land as a whole, like, I can't just run upon you and take your constitutional rights away from you individually. But according to Jay Seculo, they can. So, whatever. Anyway, so I just uh, got a new service and continued on doing what I was doing. And um, now I'm, I'm doing it to a much smaller audience because the old program got shut down. The kingdom of God or nothing. And uh, now we're just you know, doing fundamentally Mormon, which actually I used to have 100,000 downloads. I think it was over 100,000 downloads when I did the kingdom of God or nothing because Protestants were listening to it as well as, as LDS people. But now that I've gone down to fundamentally Mormon, it's very specific who actually listens to this stuff. And it's a much smaller group of people, but that's fine because God cares about quality, not quantity. 
there have been a lot of people who have been converted off of listening to this program. And some of you continue to listen, and I'm grateful for that. I think it's funny that most of you join the LDS Church. I also think it's funny that, um, like, the fundamentalist-minded people in the LDS Church, they join uh, my favorite of the fundamentalist groups, the the righteous branch of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I love them, but they drive me a little bit nuts. But that's okay. Everybody has their own free agency. I just think it's funny because, like, I offer baptism, but I don't have a, I don't have an organization. Like, I will baptize people and I will uh, perform certain ordinances when Revelation tells me that those things are okay. Uh, If I can, if I can, if people will come to me or at least closer to me, but it's so hard for me to travel because I have to work because I have a 10 acre farm that I can't just leave. I have a job that I can't just quit. I'm supporting my family. I am actually the primary breadwinner in our house, even though my wife does make pretty good money as a teacher, but I have other responsibilities. We're not in the kingdom. The people do not support me, but I still have to do my job as a prophet who is sent to you by the Father and as a father who has children and a wife that need to be taken care of. So it is what it is. And it's kind of funny because I spend my free time, like most people, they'll go to work and then they like come home and they sit on the couch and they watch a little TV. I would love to be able to watch some TV, but I don't have time to. Because I work and I spend my free time preparing this podcast each weekday. And then on church, I I go, on the weekend, I go to church. You know, last week I was actually blessed to be able to go visit um, a friend up in Roosevelt with my wife, actually a husband and wife up in Roosevelt that I've been friends with forever. The guy... The guy, I know, I'm talking about things other than the revelation, but hey, it is what it is. That's why I do the reader program at the beginning. Anyway, but um, so I got off of work Saturday morning because I needed to work Friday night because I had to make up for whatever. Anyway, so um, I get like a half an hour of sleep and then like a little nap and then uh, my wife and I and our kids went up to Roosevelt to see our friend and um, our friends. When I was working in the oil fields, I was oil field emergency management, and I took care of all of the high-pressure wells, all of the overflows, all of the cleanups, bunch of stuff at night when everybody else was off. And because the job is dangerous, they couldn't just have me out in the field by myself. So they had this one driver who was a good mechanic. They actually placed him in Glen Bench at the shop in Glen Bench, and he worked at night fixing trucks. So he was closer to wherever I was in the oil field. So if I needed him, 
I could get a hold of him on the two-way radio and he would come out. So I became really good friends with this guy. And he used to call me Mohanrai. Hey, Mohanrai, uh, which is the true name of the brother of Jared, because he knows about my experiences, you know. And uh, But anyway, so we've been friends for a long time. And uh, we just uh, enjoyed each other's company. And we played a couple of card games. And I was actually awake from 2, 2 p.m., or 2.30 on Friday, all the way to 8 p.m. on Saturday night, and with like a half an hour of sleep. So I was pretty tired by the time I went to bed. And then it was funny, because I slept till from around 8 or 8.30ish, till 4 in the morning, and then I was awake again. And I was up for a little bit, and then I was like, okay, I'm bored, I'm going back to bed. So... Uh, I got some more rest and then I went back to work on Sunday. So that's how my, that's how my life is. That's how things go. So, um, I devote my free time to doing the work of the ministry and I don't have a lot of time for friends or for messenger for all those people who try to get in contact with me all the time. I'm sorry. I know you want to say hi and I read every single message that comes my way. Um, I just don't have time to respond to everyone. Uh, if you are one of the few that I actually do respond to and talk to, uh, you're lucky because there's a lot of people that try to talk to me and I can't, I just can't do it. It's too much. Anyway, let's get back into the reading. So we're in verse 10. Behold, I, Jesus Christ is speaking to John Taylor, have told you to do as I command you because he's given us all of the instructions that we need to bring forth Zion's redemption on the earth, to bring bring forth the work of the Father, or the church of the Father, which has not happened yet. And I have not, I have not, a, and have I not a right to dictate in, my, in the affairs of my kingdom? And is not... And is it not incumbent upon you to obey me as your Lord, your lawgiver, and your king? It would be, except for he gives us free agency. And when the church decides they don't want to have united orders, well, even though it is commanded, the church continues on without them. The church is supposed to have plural celestial marriage, but the church does as it pleases and they walk away from the instructions given to them. This, in Hebrew, is where we get the word iniquity. When God lays out a path for us to follow, and we veer from the path, we become categorized as having iniquity among us. And so the whole church is in iniquity. I myself, even, I'm not veering from the path. I am trying to push forward for the path so that we can get people to repent and have united orders and have the fullness of the gospel. But I can't live a united order by myself. That is a community effort that has to be done. I can tell you that you need to live it. But if you're going to continue following the flesh, men in the church... Instead of the instructions of God, you'll never do what God has commanded you. 
and for all of those people who see what's going on in the world and, and our government, and you're all freaking out that it's falling, why are you not in United Orders? Like, if we were out of Babylon the Great, when it falls, we wouldn't be affected nearly as much by that as we would if we, like we will, when it falls and we're in it. And we've been told over and over and over again to come out of Babylon lest you be partakers of her plagues and her sins and her destruction. Now in 2015, in 2013, God severed the ordinances of all the holy people through his witness, through myself, in July of 2013. You can find the revelation for that in Daniel chapter 12, where the the man clothed in linen scatters or severs the power of all the holy people. Now, what's the holy people in the last days? It is the saints who have gone whoring off after other gods. So they become the whore of the the whole earth. They were supposed to be the bride of Christ, but they become Babylon. They, they go whoring after, off after Babylon the Great. And the power of the holy people in the last days is the priesthood. That the man clothed in linen raises both of his arms to the square because he has the authority. It was given to him by the Father to sever the ordinances and the power, the priesthood of all the holy people. When God told me to do this, I didn't understand that this revelation even existed. And But I was obedient, and I raised both arms to the square after the manner of the Melchizedek priesthood. And by the authority given to me of the Father, I severed the ordinances of the priesthood of all the holy people. It was a hard reset. When I asked God why he wanted me to do this, he said it was because if they will not accept you as my witness, I will not accept them. There's a hard reset. When I told my aunt about it, who had received revelation that I was the one mighty and strong, uh, she actually, well, God was trying to tell me, and I was like, nope. And my aunt was trying to tell me, and I was like, nope. Like, there's no way. Not with my history. Not with the way my life has been. How in the world could I be that? And... And the father said, it's not because of who you were, it's because of who you are. And then I was shown who I am and why I was called to do what I am doing today. So there is a hard reset. You actually do have to come through the narrow gate to receive your ordinances to come into the church and the kingdom because there has been an apostasy because of iniquity. Because they did not live as God commands. They, uh, each of the branches that came out of Nauvoo was under a cursed and rejected state for 160 years to the fourth generation. And in that time, they had the ability to either repent or to do away with the laws of God and go further and further and further away from the, the fullness of the restored gospel, which is actually what they did. The main branch of that came out of Nauvoo was the Brighamite branch, who and they're headquartered in Salt Lake City, Utah, and they want to be popular with the world because the 
Babylonian businessmen who run that organization realize that if they're popular with the world, they'll have more converts, and with more converts comes more tithes and offerings that they can invest in Babylonian businesses and get rich off of. That's how they were able to say, well, we as a church who only make money from tithes and offerings did not use the $7 billion for the shopping mall downtown from your tithes and offerings. Well, okay, how does the church make money? They take your money that you contribute and they put it into stocks and bonds and portfolios and investment accounts and all kinds of other stuff to make money off of your tithes and offerings so that they can build their city creek mall that costs seven billion dollars so they can build so that they can buy all of these um buildings in new york city office buildings and all all of the other things that they do oh but they don't use your tithes and offerings they actually do because they take your holy offerings and they put it into the kingdom of of babylon the great and then they make money off of that so that they can do the that's how come the church is the wealthiest church in the world, except for maybe the Catholic Church. Because Babylon has blessed them for giving up the principles of the gospel and, and giving away their birthright. And they've they have been blessed for that from from the wrong source. Joseph Smith would turn over in his grave if he were still dead. <laughs> I won't get into that one, but um, he said during his life that it is against the mind and will of God for the saints to contribute one dollar to the building up of Babylon the Great, and now they contribute six billion dollars a year, which is, well, that's what they used to receive in tithes and offerings, six billion dollars a year. Now, compound that over years and years and years and and uh, throw that into compounded interest accounts and it's not hard to see why they had one account the Enzyme Peak account that had about $130 billion in it but I digress let's get back into the revelation verse 11 Behold, thus saith the Lord, I will be obeyed by my counsel. And if they do not acknowledge me, I will not acknowledge them, saith the Lord of hosts, the God and King of the whole earth. I know that many of you love the presidents and leaders of your church. I know that many of you think that you're going to receive exaltation in the celestial kingdom because you check off certain boxes. But I also know that the instructions given to the church by the true prophets and apostles of the restoration, who were the ones who restored it, Joseph Smith, that they said that they received revelations that if you do not obey the laws of the celestial kingdom, you will not be in the celestial kingdom. Period. End of story. If you do not obey the laws of exaltation, you will not receive your exaltation. P. 
Period. End of story. The church does not obey the celestial kingdom's laws. Period. End of story. The church does not, if you try to live the laws that pertain to exaltation into that kingdom, you'll be excommunicated from the church. Period. End of story. You cannot receive your exaltation and be a faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They have not been obedient to the commandments that God has given them. They gaslight and they lie and they change ordinances and they change doctrines and they change the gospel to become popular with the world, thus giving away their birthright and their blessing. Verse 12, speaking of my church, behold, I established my church that I might reveal unto them my word and my will and the law of the gospel and the order of the the holy priesthood. And I set in order my priesthood, even the Aaronic and the Melchizedek, and I have sent forth mine elders to the world to preach this gospel of the kingdom to all people and to gather mine elect from among all nations that a people might be prepared through my gospel, through the manifestations of my spirit, even the spirit of truth, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the comforter, and through the teachings of the Holy Priesthood and the revelations of my will to comprehend the law of my gospel and to be one one with each other and to be one with me as I am one with the Father to comprehend and obey the principles of righteousness, virtue, holiness, purity, and the love and fear of God and to assist in building my Zion unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and to prepare for the salvation and the redemption of the world, even the living and the dead. Verse 13. And again it is required, it required this gospel, this priesthood, this revelation, this unity, this spirit, to introduce the kingdom of God, the law of God, the authority and dominion of God, that the will of God might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 14. I rule now among the nations, but not by their consent. The rulers of the earth do not know me or my law or recognize my authority. Verse 15. And they have their free agency and use it. So have also my people. They use their free agency through my gospel to serve me, to obey my law, and to build my kingdom, or my church and kingdom. Okay, so because they're different. Verse 16. For outside of my church there is no people on the earth who will listen to my law And if there was no people who would listen to my law, how could I have a kingdom? And how could I be their ruler? Verse 17. I have established my kingdom to be a shield and a protection to my church. 
because the kingdom protects the church. The church is not the kingdom. The church is part of the kingdom in a way, but the church is protected by the kingdom. That was the Council of 50, the government of God on the earth that the church did away with, which I don't even know how the church could do away with the kingdom of God on the earth. They did not have the authority to do what they did, but they did it anyway because they did not understand their roles and what their, their, um, they didn't understand at all. And they just did away with it because the federal government gave them a revelation from Satan. Basically, you're going to do what Satan wants and Babylon the Great wants. And you're not going to do what you want or what God wants because we are going to overthrow things. So they gave up their birthright. They gave up plural celestial marriage. They gave up the Council of 50. They gave up United Orders and the Law of Consecration. They gave up the Law of Adoption. They gave up rebaptisms. They gave up the gathering of Israel to the center place. They gave up so much. If you really want to get into the the in-depth, like just to peruse the surface, there is a link in the podcast and in the description at the website, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon, that is going to take you, there's a link that will take you to uh, a list of books, read books online. That is the link to the catalog of books that Ogden Kraut was able to compile. Within that list of books, there's a book called 95 Thesis that has over 100 changes in that book from the restoration and how things were to what has happened in the modern day church where they have rejected and turned away from so many principles. Over a hundred, and and some of them are minor, some of them are, some of them are major, but Ogden Kraut took the time, and actually that book, God told him, he was like traveling. I think he was in. Ogden, uh, well, Kevin told me one time. I told him, he's all, where are you at? And I think I think I was in Farron or Fairview. I can't remember. This is a couple years ago. I think it was Fairview. And he says, oh, that's where my dad wrote 95 Thesis. And I said, oh, really? Tell me the story. He said, yeah, he was driving down Highway 89 going south. And God told him to stop and to write a book. And he stopped and he got a hotel room or a motel room in Farron. Are not fair and fair view. And he sat there for two days and wrote a book. This is before the internet, people. Ogden had studied and read so much that God was able to, and he did. He's done the same thing for me. So I'll talk about myself, and then I'll talk about Ogden. When I was younger. Uh, I was not able to finish my mission. I got really sick. They had to send me home. And then uh, because I did not have a place to go when I got home uh, and the doctors wouldn't release me, um, they eventually had to release me from my mission on a uh, medical discharge. 
which broke my heart. But luckily, when I was able to get better, I had already gone to diesel mechanics school from 1994 to 1996, from the time I was 16 or 17 till the time I was, I think I was 18. It was 1995 when, no, 90. 96. So I was 19 when when I got my degree in advanced diesel mechanics. But I also got a CDL, Class A CDL in 1995 as part of the uh, as part of the United Order. I'm not sorry. Uh, it was uh, United Auto Workers uh, Dece- Advanced Diesel Mechanics program that I went through in tech school. So when I came home and I didn't have anywhere to go, guess what I did? I became a truck driver and I lived in my semi truck and I drove around this country, around North America for years and years and years and years and years. And I wanted to, I figured if I was not able to finish my mission, that I could do the work of the ministry by being a minister to everyone that I came across. In the truck stops, I would go to LDS churches, which I loved. I would like, I would figure out where the LDS church was and I'd call them and I'd try to park my truck close to where I could be picked up and they'd come and pick me up. But I also went to many non-denominational churches and many different denominational churches. And uh, I just preached the gospel. I was like a, a man on fire. I used to listen to, I used to have the all of the cassettes of all the scriptures and general conferences back to like 1970 or whenever it was they started uh, doing the recordings on tape like and I would spend between two to four hundred dollars a month at Deseret Book, Siegel Book and Tape or the Church Distribution Center and I gave a lot of stuff away but I studied so much that God was able when I went up against ministers that I was able to bring forth the scriptures out of my memory because I studied so much. I listened to the scriptures so much. And sometimes I would just let the tape play over and over and over and over and over again. And sometimes I'd be like, I'd kind of like, I'd be like, what are they talking about? And I'd, I'd try to think about it. And it was getting into my head to the point where sometimes I would like, I hadn't talked to people for days and I would speak in Victorian English because that's what I was listening to all the time. And like, I wouldn't do this intentionally. It was just what I was listening to all the time. And people would be like, why are you talking like that? (laughs) (coughs) Oh, excuse me. I thought I hit the mute button. Anyway. um, But God was able to bring forth out of my mind because I had treasured up the words of the scriptures to the point where there were many times where people would be like, keep in mind, I was 21 years old when I went over the road as a truck driver. So 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 as a truck driver over the road, driving around this country for years and years and years, 48 states, and God sent me to where he want me. In fact, 
it's really interesting. A lot of you don't know who Michael Rood is, but Michael Rood and I worked at the same company. Now, if you know who he is, you know who he is. And I love the man. He drives me a little bit nuts, but at least he's not a Trinitarian like he used to be. That's because of me. Because <laughs> we used to get in debates and arguments because we worked for CFI out of Joplin, Missouri, and there was there's like five or six different major terminals that you that you go out of for CFI, and it's a big company. And when you get stuck in Laredo, Texas, you'd be stuck there for a day, two, three, four days sometimes before you were able to get a load out of Mexico to go north. and Or, or we'd be stuck in Joplin, Missouri or whatever. And I remember whenever I'd see him, um, my eyes would lighten up because I could debate him. And he knew the scriptures. And I knew the scriptures. And he was from a, a Protestant uh, you know, background. And we used to just go out. And there was a couple times when when I'd get so irritated at him, you know, because he's so arrogant. This man, If you know him, you know him. If you don't, go look up A Rude Awakening on YouTube and then get some learning because the guy is, I mean, there's so much. This guy, I, I love him, but he drives me nuts at the same time. But we used to work for the same company and we used to get in debates all the time. This is before his ministry started. But anyway, so, um, but, so, I studied so much that God could pull these things out of my mind and put them in my mouth. And, like, I used to go and stand up at fasted testimony meetings in different churches, and the Spirit would just speak through me. And I wouldn't have anything prepared, but I would give powerful sermons on fast and testimony meetings in churches I'd never been to because the Spirit spoke through me and I was given the gift of tongues, which is not only where you speak the Adamic language, but it is also where God speaks through you to people. Ogden did the same thing. Now, Ogden was much older than I when he was writing his books, but God told him to stop as he was going through Farron, Utah. I think it was Farron. I might be wrong, but I think it was Farron. No, it was Fairview. It's it's over on Highway 89, on the other side of the mountain from where I live. Anyway, so he's going through wherever he was going through, and God told him to stop, and he stopped his car, stopped going to wherever he was going, and he got a motel room, and he compiled 95 Thesis in the period of one or two days. And pretty much all 95 Thesis is are different topics. There's different categories. And with uh, under those topics, there are quotes that go under those topics, like the Adam-God Doctrine, like Consecration in United Orders, like Rebaptism, like a whole bunch of stuff different topics and he puts the quotes that that the foundational leaders of the LDS church early leaders like Joseph Smith Brigham Young John Taylor Wilfred Woodruff even you know Joseph F Smith sometimes you know but whatever 
whatever they say that goes along with those topics. And then he says, but today, and whenever I read it, I say, I actually add a little bit to the to what he said, because he says today the church teaches, and I'll say today the apostate church teaches, because when they, they apostatize from the truth, it is what it is. And I don't care that you love your church so much, the Jews love their church too, but it didn't make it right. There was truth in the Jewish church, but they were in iniquity much of the time. And so is the Israelites of today. They are all in iniquity. The church had the gospel given to them and they have changed it. And 95 Thesis is a book that you can read for yourself and go find out what those changes are and read the quotes. You know, the church wants to demonize the Journal of Discourses. They want to demonize the inspired translation of the Bible, which, by the way, Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon said they completed, and the church now says they didn't complete it. That's why we don't use it. They did complete it. They said it many times that it had been finished. But now the church will say, no, no, that, 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 don't listen to Joseph Smith, listen to us, because... We're the leaders today, and what we say is the truth, and we'll never lead you astray, even though Joseph Smith said that the inspired translation was finished. You know, did he lead the people astray saying that? No, actually, he didn't. When when Brigham Young taught the Adam-God doctrine from 1953 until the end of his life, 1977... The church will say that he led, the church today will say that he led the church astray in false doctrine. They were just his opinions, even though you could get excommunicated for not believing it back then. They were just his opinions, but then they say that he couldn't lead you astray. But then they say that he did lead you astray in false doctrine in many other topics, many other topics. But you can trust them, the leaders today, because they won't lead you astray. But Brigham Young... He had seven deadly heresies. Like, it's just... Cognitive dissonance? Gaslighting? I don't know what all the other words are, but lots of words for the lunacy and the the nuttiness that the people have to have for following. But I can't blame them. Because in the correlated curriculum of the church, they spoon-feed you what they want you to know. And then they demonize things like the Journal of Discourses and, you know, all of the other other stuff. And they just spoon-feed you what they want you to know. And they don't want you to read anything that they don't approve. Which is funny because Joseph Smith said that all truth is Mormonism. That that there's truth all over the earth and we hope to find that truth and to bring it into Mormonism. Now it's don't read anything but what we give you. You know, if it doesn't agree with our agenda, then we will take it off the bookshelves and you'll never read it again. Anyway, back to the Revelation, verse 17. I have established my kingdom to be a shield and protection of my church. Once again, the the kingdom is not the church. The kingdom is supposed to protect the church. 
to learn and comprehend my law and to carry out my purposes that my will may be done on earth as it is done on in heaven. Verse 18. The church through the law and spirit of the gospel to preserve the virtue and purity of the kingdom and the kingdom to preserve and protect the church from the aggression of the wicked and the ungodly. Verse 19. And behold, I do not want my own will, but the will of my father, the same is my father and my God and your father and your God. And we are one and I in him and you in me. So what he's saying here is that these principles of the gospel come from the eternities. They are handed down from God, the eternal father through the Elohim, who are the exalted ones who we call the gods down to the first presidency of this earth through Jehovah our Elohim, who is assigned as our Elohim for this earth, to Father Adam, who is the president of this earth, and they are delegated to God the Redeemer, who is the first witness, who is Yeshua, who is Jesus Christ, and they're delegated down through the second witness, who I am. And these, this is the will of, of the gods. And it comes down in correct order through the Father to the Son, and I am a witness of it. So, verse 20. Are are I and my Father with the church? Yes, at that time they were. This was 1882, before the church rejected the gospel, really. Uh, Verse 21. Are not... Are we not also with the kingdom? Yes, because the church and the kingdom are separate. And at that time, before the church did away with the kingdom, the kingdom was up on the earth. The Council of Fifty, that was all on the earth. But in the 1890s, they did away with it because the government came in and, and the church decided to go whoring themselves off after Babylon the Great. And you know what? That's where the kingdom fell, the northern kingdom fell. Because they didn't trust God to fight their battles. The, the southern kingdom, they trusted God to fight their battles, and God did fight their battles. Uh, and they got, But they got a little bit too wicked, so God had to like kick them out of the land for 70 years because they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Uh, and they were in the Babylonian captivity, but they kept their identity. They, were, they remained a people where the northern kingdom, instead of trusting God, they made uh, pacts with the Gentiles and with the kingdoms around, with King Nebo and uh, maybe not King Nebo, but like different, you know, the Egyptians or the Assyrians or whatever. And because they placed their trust in the kingdoms of this world and gave up their identity, God allowed them to be destroyed and taken captive. And because the LDS church has given up so many principles of the restored gospel and they've given up their birthright god has allowed them to be tainted by the world because they go into babylon the great as a people and they don't come out from it and they are not obedient to the uh to the instructions given to them that's why jesus christ said that he would have to send one mighty and strong to set the house of god in order implying it would become out of order doctrine and covenant section 85 Verse 7, I believe. Anyway, but we're in verse 22. Am I not your God, your Amen Christ? 
Now, what is he referring to? When, when Jesus paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane and sealed it upon the cross, all we who accept him as our Lord and our Savior become adopted to him through the law of adoption, and he becomes our Father and our God. But he's also the Son of God. Because there are gods above and gods below. In Revelation chapter 1, it says that Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Now, what is he referring to? Jesus Christ becomes our Father through the law of adoption, and he makes us kings and priests to his Father, who is Father Adam, who was Michael, and to his Father, who is Yehovah our Elohim. When Jesus Christ said, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and to your Father, speaking of Adam, our common Father, and to my God and your God, speaking of Jehovah, our Elohim. Now, I know a lot of people are freaking out because Jesus is Jehovah. No, he's not. Ether chapter 3, Jesus says, I've not yet appeared to anyone before this point, to Mahanre Moriankmer, but before the flood, which is before this thing happened with the brother of Jared, Jehovah had appeared, or Jehovah had appeared to the people. They're not the same people. That lie crept into the church shortly after the death of John Taylor, or no, it was... Actually, it was after the death of Brigham Young. And you begin to see this being introduced into the church in the 1880s. Well, the problem is, before that, they knew that Jesus Christ and Jehovah were two separate individuals. But eventually, this iniquity gets into the church. These claws get into the church that Satan tries to pry apart. Uh, different portions of the gospel and different truths. And by the 1920s, you've got James E. Talmadge writing a book called Jesus the Christ, where he is saying that Jesus is Jehovah. And now that's what the church believes, but that's not what Joseph Smith taught. And that's not what Brigham Young taught. And that's not what uh, John Taylor taught. It's not what the Book of Mormon says. But see, you don't understand the Book of Mormon because you don't get revelation. Now, in the Book of Mormon, everybody, uh, these these people are like, the Trinity is in the Book of Mormon because Jesus says he's the Father and the Son. They don't understand. They don't understand. Jesus becomes the Father through the law of adoption when he paid for our sins and we turn to him to receive redemption from the bondage of death and hell. To, to receive forgiveness of our sins. And in that way, he becomes our father. But we have a father above him. If people understood the law of adoption, which is not taught in, as part of the church doctrine anymore, they would understand that Jesus Christ can be our father and a father can be above him. And it's not talking about the Trinity. It's talking about the truth. Verse 22. Am I, am I not your God, your Amen Christ? Acknowledge me. You so acknowledge me. 
verse 23. My father is king of kings and lord of lords, and I rule as my father directs me. See, he is Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords, but his father is also a king of kings and a lord of lords, because in order to become a father or an Elohim, you actually have to go through the process of being a savior and uh, uh, and a witness and this uh, the sermon at the grove talks about multiple mortal probations uh, it's talked about a little bit in the king Follett discourse as well um, it's not reincarnation it's something completely different but um, it is the progression of the gods and in order to receive your highest exaltations you have to actually go through the process of being a mortal savior on an earth if you're a man And after you become a savior on an earth like Jesus was, you become a father through the law of adoption. And then in his next mortal probation, when it says in the book of Revelations that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, that will become Jesus Christ's earth to populate. And he will take upon himself the name of Adam after Adam on men, who is the uh, eternal God of all. And he will go on that earth as an Adam with his wife, Miriam. And she will become a Hava or an Eve, and they will be an Adam and Eve of an earth. And God the Witness will become a Redeemer and a Messiah to that earth. And another will be chosen to be the Witness. That's the first presidency of the earth. Michael will then, who is the father of this earth, will then become and Elohim, and he will be Michael, our Elohim. And Yehovah, he'll take the place of Yehovah, who is our Elohim at this time. And and Yehovah will go into the council of the gods. That is the progression of the gods. That is what Joseph Smith was trying to talk about in the King Follett Discourse and in the lecture at the Grove, which is actually the last lecture that we have from him. He was trying to dump some heavy stuff because he knew the church had been rejected and he knew that his time was short. Verse 23, my father is king of kings and lord of lords. I rule as my father directs me. And if ye rule and direct according to my will under the direction of my servant, who is your president and head, are we not one? And is not, is it not the rule and government of God? Verse 24. In any kingdom or government or dominion that is not under my direction and does not acknowledge me, I will not acknowledge, saith the Lord of hosts. When God told me to sever the ordinances of all the holy people and I was completely dumbfounded by it, and I said, Why? He said, if they will not acknowledge you as my witness, I will not acknowledge them, or he will not accept them. In fact, I have a very long revelation about this. Uh, Thus saith the Lord, written revelation about this very topic. Um, I'll have to, after I'm done with the program, uh, after I'm done with reading all of this book, I might just take some time to go over those other revelations that I have. All right, verse 25. And if they fight against me 
and my laws and my church and my kingdom, they shall be overthrown in mine own due time, for I have so decreed, even so. Amen. All right, so that's the end of the reading for today. Uh, Looks like I will be able to drop this program by 8 in the morning. And so uh, you're probably listening to this around or after 8 in the morning. I I try to get them all out by 8. So even though I didn't work last night, I still woke up early in the morning. Which is funny, because, like, I used to hate getting up early, but now I get up way early, and I love it because it's nice and peaceful. All my kids are still sleeping. My two-year-old has gotten up a couple of times and looked at me and laid back down, and my little daughters are snuggled up under the blanket. They're all sharing a pillow. They're so cute. Anyway, so, yeah, um... I don't know what else to say, but yeah, we have COVID, so we have the Wu flu, the Chinese virus, the communist virus, the gain-of-function Dr. Fauci virus, and uh, it is what it is, so um, we'll continue to try. I will continue to try. I always say we, like it's just me for the most part. I mean, Kim does help sometimes, but... The way it's been lately, um, it's just not possible. We've got too much going on. So, Uh, Amberly, you want to say hi? Hi. You can say hi louder. Hi. Okay. Love you. Are you going to? uh, Don't you dare turn that TV on. She just grabbed the remote. (gasps) Thank you for turning it off. Anyway, okay, I am going to finish my program, and then after that, I guess you can watch a cartoon or something. Anyway, so, yeah, that's the end of the program. Anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. I'll try to come back on tomorrow with the next part of this book, if I'm able to, and uh, I hope everybody has a good day. Thank you for listening to the program. Take care, everyone. God bless, and goodbye.